Hello, hello, hello. <clears throat> Excuse me. Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. But until then, I'm your host, Josh, and thanks for stopping by. Um, so I just wrote a blog, which I'm pretty proud of. Um, I think it's short enough and concise enough that like it doesn't make you go brain dead <laughs> from reading it. And on top of that, I think in a much better way than I ever used to, I am really trying to focus on what needs to be said in a blog rather than trying to explain so many things at once. Because, like, for example, if one were to talk about the topic of climate change and why we need to have revolutionary action to stop uh, everything that is leading to the, the destruction of our ecosystem, there's a lot that you could discuss in that blog, you know. You could talk about the history of kind of capitalism. You can talk about the scientific side of it, you know, what is causing climate change? How can we actually, you know, remove things like carcinogens and extra carbon from our atmosphere? You could take it the kind of socio-political way and talk about how this is yet another example of the ruling class's uh, determination to <clears throat> make profit over the lives of people um, or using the lives of people, I should say. And, you know, kind of through that, there's a lot of different buzzwords. There's a lot of different kind of subject material that I would want to you know, put in there for the sake of explanation and things like that. But then what ends up happening to me, which is the same thing that happens here on the show, is I say something or I mention something uh, or I find something that kind of runs adjacent to what we're talking about. And I just, boom, I jump right over there. And now we're on a five minute ramble about some, you know, offshoot topic, which even though it somewhat connects, it's not what needs to be talked about at the moment. So I'm trying to get better at that. I'm trying to do that both in my blog and on here. So, you know, if I don't do a good job at that, I do apologize. I know that sometimes people want to listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video to quick learn kind of something or to hear you know, just kind of a, a brief analysis about a certain topic or kind of event. And it's, you know, sometimes boring when then it's somebody talking for 45 minutes about a bunch of different shit that all connects, but only barely touches on what it is you wanted to learn about. So <clears throat> I just wanted to say, you know, the show is a work in progress. I am uh, proletariat myself. I am uneducated in the sense of I didn't go to school for this shit. Um, I have a degree. I have a two-year degree in liberal arts from a community college. So as you know, I am, of course, an extremely elitist scholar um, and everything I say goes. So you should never disagree with me because I can never be wrong. 
Of course that is the truth. Um, But in fact, it's not. And a lot of people would really be surprised that that could be the same for them. Um, Just real quick before we really get into the meat of things. um, One thing, speaking of kind of learning and progressing... One thing that I am trying to work on myself, and I would implore anyone who's listening to this and, uh, you know, anyone who might think the same as me, I am trying to break away from the habit of just shitting on people on, on like, social media. Like, I'm kind of sort of not. In the back of my head, I'm trying to break away from, like, when someone has a disagreement with me or when someone says some, like, you know, U.S.-backed propaganda shit about communism or about certain countries, um, you know, I want to take the moment to just completely destroy that person's ego, um, because I think a lot of times they kind of deserve it, because some people say some crazy shit, some really insensitive shit, but... What's really shaken me up is someone said it not too long ago, and I've really been kind of trying to push this kind of mentality. Someone said to me recently, they were like, you don't comment on social media for the person you're commenting to, especially when we're talking about, you know, disagreements among the left on social media. They were like, you comment for the third party who's reading that comment and might learn something from that comment. So I'm trying to kind of get better in a lot of different scopes in my life. And one that I'm sick of fanning the flame of is the bullshit arguments that go on online. Because ultimately, first of all, social media is a place where people go to further concrete uh, their own kind of belief systems. Like, We have different groups dedicated to interest because social media is not going online to learn. Social media is going online to form a clique. Um, And that's what a lot of, you know, kind of leftist groups do online. They form cliques. um, Whether it's like actual groupings or whether it's like, individuals who know each other through the leftist sphere and continuously like feed off of each other and kind of just go on a rampage of just being you know kind of bullies in the sense of like it's bullyish uh kind of mentality that they're above other people and that's really where like I want to break that down because like I was the asshole saying super, super backwards ass shit, uh, about, you know, kind of black folks, about trans folks, while I was growing up, like, I had some incredibly awful opinions about other people my whole life, so one thing that I'm really trying to work on, and I have been for, you know, years now, is trying to break down that ego, right, uh, And it's fucking hard, man. Like, I'm an asshole. Um, Sometimes I really hate people. And I think a lot of us can, you know, resonate with that. But it's also, you know, it's so gross of me to, like, 
look at other people and be like, hmm, I'm so much better than them. Or, you know, just even in the back of my head, think about the fact that, like, wow, what a stupid dick. Man, I was a stupid dick. I am a stupid dick. Like, I have, you know, a lot to learn. I think everybody does. So, I think, you know, we all just got to recognize where we're at. Um, We need to recognize what the material conditions kind of are uh what the situation is for the worldwide proletariat at the moment and i think that will humble us a little bit because you know i partake in a group called leftist unification party we do online uh agitprop um and we post a lot of different you know things of that nature and i love it it's been really cool it's been really nice meeting some cool comrades putting some propaganda together, spreading that shit around, meeting new people because of it. But at the end of the day, this is not necessarily going to be the key to the revolution coming tomorrow. Now, it might make it sooner to tomorrow than it would have been, but who's to say? Um, And I think, you know, what I'm really trying to say is the fact that a lot of us participate in ridiculous activities and claim oftentimes that they are revolutionary um you know this could be the sake of someone thinking they're an online revolutionary when they correct enough people you know about a certain topic like china or something like that people think they're revolutionaries because you know they go out and they show up to protests uh But these things do not make a revolutionary. And these things do not necessarily make revolutionary action. And this is kind of what a lot of us on the left in the West have really no fucking clue about. Um, Because, you know, a lot of folks in the West grew up, I I don't want to say privileged. I mean, a lot of us, including myself, did grow up privileged. Um... But I think there are a lot of people who just simply did not live the same kind of lives as people outside of the West, you know, because you can't deny that extreme poverty, uh, extreme kind of discrimination, extreme violence, extreme hunger. um, You can't say that these things don't exist in the West because holy shit, yes, they do, Um, especially now with everything going on with the pandemic. But I think we're also uh, missing the point when we look at the world in such a view. Uh, I think the best way to look at the world is through an an anti-imperialist scope. Um, Because in the, the state of capitalism, which we are in, the stage, I should say... As we know, imperialism and what has been called neo-colonialism are on the forefront. These are the ways in which capitalism has progressed and is developing now. Um, And we have to recognize that and see how it is that we can separate then the world into the imperialist powers and the imperialized countries, the oppressed and exploited and colonized countries. Um, and we 
especially here in the West, especially here in the United States, we have to recognize the role that we play in the international uh, proletarian sphere. Um, Because of our strategic placement within the belly of the beast, we can't necessarily take a book, you know, kind of a page out of a anti-colonial struggle, turn that shit over, hit copy-paste, and put it, you know, into effect in the United States, and just, boom, it's all gonna work out. We also can't just simply take pages out of books which have been written 150, 150 years ago, um, and just think that because, you know, we recognize the theoretical importance and how you know, clear and concise this might make our our understanding of what we need to do. The shit's already been done. The ruling class knows about it. You know, my copy of Guerrilla Guerrilla Warfare by uh, Mao Zedong was uh, co-signed, I guess you would say, and the foreword was written by uh, Sergeant Major of the United States Marines. They study that shit. So, you know, we're crazy to think that we can do either one of those things, that we can transfer the success of, uh, you know, a completely different, uh, materially, completely materially different situation, you know, for example, like 1917 Russia to 2021 uh, United States, you know, you can't transfer the ways in which struggle was done outright, you have to look at the conditions we find ourselves in today, where we are, uh, physically and see how we can then take that situation, take that reality and bring people's consciousness to the point where they see it as such. Uh, those of us who are on the left, you know, we do a lot of bullshit arguing online and, you know, I even see some great work out there. I see groups doing all kinds of mutual aid, you know, we had these different kinds of protests and demonstrations which have been going on since last year. Um, and, you know, for a lot of folks, especially like the Black Lives Matter movement, this has been going on since the killing of uh, Mike Brown. But what is very difficult is kind of making the deciphering point between revolution and reform. So, you know, I read a lot of books and it probably comes off uh, as obvious and I'm probably incredibly annoying when I bring up books to people. But I think as someone who is currently really isolated and who came from such a privileged background, books have been an incredible tool, an incredible tool to help bring my mentality to where it needs to be, to help see the world for what it is. You know, it kind of breaks down the barriers which confuse us and ultimately work in the favor of the ruling class to oppress us. I spent a lot, a lot of time breaking away from the backwards ideas that I grew up with and held on to and it's hard you know like not for nothing I I never really recognized 
and I'm, you know, of course, I'm sure this is true for anyone, but I never really recognized how backward my mindset really was until very recently when I really, really started, you know, trying to educate myself, trying to break down the bullshit. So, I I mention this because, like, I, I definitely don't have the ruling say on this topic. I'm just, you know, trying to spread what I read um, that I think, you know, is worth talking about. You know, there's a lot of different revolutionaries, especially someone like Lenin and, you know, later on, Stalin does a great job writing about it. Uh, Mao in China, Ho Chi Minh, a lot of different people had a great recognition of this separation between revolutionary action and reformist action. Um, and this is an important clarification to make because ultimately, as Marxists, as revolutionaries, our goal is to heighten the struggle. And a lot of people kind of get that mixed up as to what it means. It doesn't mean just put people in dangerous situations. It doesn't mean be an accelerationist and hope that shit gets really bad so then the material conditions are at a point where nobody can kind of ignore what's wrong because guess what? We're already there. If there was any a time period that has ever existed where nobody should be able to ignore the contradictions and the problems facing the world, it's right now. So if they're not conscious, if they're not agitated, if they're not organized, we got to say, hey, what's going wrong? So I think there's a few things that are worth hitting on. First and foremost, it is just kind of the lack of the left in the United States. Um, This kind of is twofold. So first and foremost, it is the lack of the existing left parties and organizations. There's a lack of quantity of left, you know, people groups. Whether it be political parties, whether it be mutual aid groups, whether it be organizations, etc. There's a lack of that. And because of that, and connected to that, there is a lack of quality among the left. Uh, A correct measure in that, I believe, uh, could really depend on your situation... You know, where I am, there really isn't anything. So we, those of us who believe in the area that we got to be building towards revolution, we are having, you know, kind of, we're having to go about trying to build something like that ourselves. Um, On top of that, you have kind of, a want oftentimes for people to just kind of join an existing organization so they can kind of just get their hands dirty, jump right into something. But that's not always good because, you know, if you jump right into an organization that's telling you that we got to get this candidate on the fucking ballot and we got to put them in the White House, well, you know, I would say that this is not an organization worth two shits and you shouldn't be spending any of your time there. Um, but, you know, if you get yourself into a, you know, indigenous-led decolonization project, um, it might be good to just 
throw your hat in the center and just begin participating in that because that's how we learn, you know? Being able to participate in something like that and especially from the perspective of, you know, kind of a fellow proletariat, not thinking that we're Lenin on the podium screaming to the workers, but that we are standing with the workers, listening to Lenin, you know, working with each other and growing with each other. Uh, So I think the quantity and quality of the left is lacking here in the West. And I think that has to do with a few things. Um, First and foremost, it has to do with being a center of both capitalism and imperialism where the contradictions are able to be uh, kind of misguided. They're able to be, the water is able to be muddied because there is so much wealth and so much power that exists here in the West that the ideology, the propaganda, the systems themselves, all of that can be interpreted, uh, or rather I should say all of that can be manufactured into something which upholds and supports the status quo and teaches people that the way things, you know, work are the best way. We know this to be true because we all experienced it. We all are experiencing it right now. I think the second reason is especially here in the United States, although this is true everywhere, but because of a few different things which, you know, mainly boil down to just historical developments happening a certain way, the United States had an extremely, extremely militant anti-communist movement, which is, you know, still continuing to this day. Um, And I think the third reason falls somewhere in between those two causes, which creates a mentality among not only the folks who call themselves the left, But the folks who would fall on the left, you know, the working class people, it creates a mentality of hopelessness. It creates a mentality of utter kind of just powerlessness because of the strength and because of the wealth and because of the power that these ruling classes do have in the West, Um, especially their militaries. It seems, you know, like an an impossible task to overthrow these structures. The second thing I really wanted to talk about, um, you know, kind of issues that we are facing in the West, uh, especially here in the United States, our disconnection from the indigenous struggle due to the historical developments both in Canada and the United States and especially, you know, all over the world. Um, Read Open Veins of Latin America to read about the ways in which the European powers completely decimated indigenous populations, not just here in North America, but all over the world. Um, That disconnection from the indigenous struggles is making it so that we cannot build anything that's truly revolutionary. Because here in the belly of the beast, here in the United States, there's really two central plots. There's two things that we can put a wedge in between and start to work on building off of. A, the extreme inequality between rich and poor, and B, the extreme inequality between settler and indigenous people. These two things are incredibly crucial to our revolutionary struggles here in the United States. But as we were discussing earlier, 
here we see yet another attempt by many groups, including the supposed left, who chooses reformism over revolutionary struggle. So let's, right here, right now, let's define the two and let's talk about the differences. Revolutionary struggle is participation in forms of struggle which heighten the consciousness of the working class and ultimately build them towards waging a proletarian revolution. Reformism is an attempt to uphold the status quo but to simply reorganize and reinvigorate the system to provide for people in a more equitable and equal manner. Now, the differences between the two are pretty blatantly obvious, but first and foremost, they have two different end goals in mind. Revolutionary struggle has proletarian revolution as its end goal, or at least its current stage uh, has that as its end goal. Reformism has the upholding of the ruling class and class society as its end goal, whereas revolutionary struggle ultimately wants to build, first and foremost, a revolutionary body called the dictatorship of the proletariat within a given, uh, you know, say, country or nation, locality, etc., But its ultimate end goal is the eradication of class society as a whole. The eradication of a society built on the struggle between the ruling class, the powerful few, and the working class, the oppressed many. If you take it back all the way to early uh, slave societies such as, you know, Roman and Greek societies... Uh, right after what might have been called uh, primitive communalism, you see this class society begin to take hold. There is a definite group in power and there is a definite group under the rule and power of that oppressing group. It solidifies itself in different ways, um, but one of which, and this is ultimately our struggle as it stands right now, is its formation of the state, which is a uh, designated body for the oppression and suppression of one class by another. This is what the state exists to do. And so right now where we're at, we exist in capitalism, we exist in imperialism and neocolonialism. The state is an oppressive regime, but it is an oppressive regime of the few over the many. So our current struggle is to change that, is to make the state currently in our locality into a tool for the vast majority of people to A, pull themselves up from under the thumbs of the few of the oppressive regime, but to also then oppress those who own everything. Um, and this is a, you know, a critical point where a lot of the left breaks up, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, but from this point on, we use the state, which is now called the dictatorship of the proletariat, and we use that to eradicate what it is that continues to perpetuate a system which is based off of the inequality of the majority of people. 
From this point forward, then, we must understand that there are certain actions which will be able to get us to that point, and there are certain actions which just simply will not. Uh, A great analogy might be, simply put, when you are trying to put out a fire, you obviously always spray at the base. Therefore, if you want to correct an issue, especially one of such a magnitude, a worldwide inequality which is created by capitalism, colonialism, and supported by imperialism and neocolonialism, if you want to eradicate that, you can't just do shit that you think is cool or you can't just do shit that you read in a book And you can't just do shit that you think might make people look at you, that might get you popular on social media. You can't just do shit to make people be in positions of unsafety, of danger, just so that you can raise their consciousness. Um, You don't just give people guns and tell them to use them. You don't just sick people on police departments and on military, uh, you know, arsenals. Because that's how you get people killed. Our goal on the left should be to get as few people killed as possible. Because right now, the capitalist, colonial, and imperialist system are killing as many people as physically possible. We cannot then fight for anything which does not bring the working class closer to taking power for itself. Um, You know, we have to be strategic and tactical and we have to recognize that as certain material conditions come to the fore, as certain opportunities uh, present themselves, we have to analyze the situation we find ourselves in and look at these opportunities not as an attempt to simply propagate the ideas of communism, but to fight for actually installing a power which can then fight for and will fight for socialism and communism. Um, This can only be done through revolutionary means. So that means when we're talking about electoralism, when we're talking about uh, demonstrations, protests, when we're talking about uh, hunger strikes, economic strikes, political strikes, when we are talking about these kinds of topics... We can't talk about them in a way which is simplistic and we can't be one-sided. We have to dedicate serious time to analyzing these things and coming up with an answer that is not just going to be a compromise, that is not just a half-assed attempt to change things, but is a strategic and theoretically sound attempt to, again, not only heighten the consciousness of the working class, Uh, and not only center their aim on the bourgeoisie and the ruling class, and not only just reorganize their thinking into a manner which will allow them to do so, but ultimately we want to commit to actions and things which will put that power and that uh, ability to eliminate capitalism that much closer to the hands of the proletariat of the working class themselves. So that means in everything we have to do, we have to look at it and say, how is this going to get us closer to a proletarian revolution? 
And if this much is not agreeable, if you feel that a proletarian revolution is not the proper way to go about this, then I would implore you to take your time to participate either in active struggle or to go ahead and read the history of the 150, 250 years of active struggle towards the elimination of capitalism and tell me what worked and what didn't work. Because as far as I know, there was a USSR. There was, uh, uh, you know, communist country, or I should, I, you know, the correct separation there is practicing socialist countries uh, because everybody wants to play definition police. But, and there are countries today, you know, Vietnam's government is Marxist-Leninist. Cuba's government is Marxist-Leninist. China's government is Marxist-Leninist. Their foundational ideas are based on the principles of building socialism. That is act, you know, actively progressing towards the goals which we just put forward. Now, of course, there's a lot of reasons to say, well, this group of people is revisionist. This group of people is not actually revolutionary. But ultimately, the most important goal for us, those of us who are not actively involved in revolutionary struggle ourselves, those of us who are not in China, Cuba, North Korea, Vietnam, um, those of us who are not actively participating in socialist revolutions must A, critically support these and fight for bringing the consciousness of the people outside of these situations to a point where they can analyze these struggles more clearly and not from dogmatic and propagandized positions. <clears throat> but on top of that, always, always, always be studying and analyzing struggles in order to learn the lessons of them before our oppressors do themselves. Um, so yeah, the most important thing that we need to be doing right now is we need to recognize what little power, what little uh connection to the masses we have what little ideological control we have and work on that and in order to do that we have to recognize where our material conditions are at we can't be thinking about something that happened a hundred years ago and think that that's what's going to get us through to revolution to ending the issues which are facing people today we have to recognize that it is only through an establishment of the dictatorship of the proletariat through means of a proletarian revolution that one can truly defend the fight for socialism, not only for the sake of building socialism, but also for the sake of materially defending socialism. Because as we know, when one wages a revolution, one just made yet another uh, uh, reactionary and more powerful group of people that much more willing to come through and overthrow that group Uh, that dictatorship of the proletariat. When you have a proletarian revolution, they don't just take the tanks and leave. They come back with tanks, drones, and everything else they have to throw at us. So this is the one power, this is the one theoretically sound attempt which has been proven through historical development to be able to defend the interests of the revolutionary group, whether that be the proletariat, the bourgeoisie, the slave-owning societies, we know it was the establishment of a state power. It was the establishment of a uh, 
armed body of guards, aka the military or the police, and it is an establishment of that power above the other by means of oppressing the remainder of people in society under the rule of that dictatorship. So we have to recognize that although history history has shown us how that can go wrong and how that can be used for just yet another form of oppressive rule, uh, we also need to recognize how the proletarian version of that is wholeheartedly different because rather than being a system based on the rule of the few over the many, it is put on its head and it is the rule of the many over the few. And this is the only way that we can actually hope to impact the things that need to be changed today. We also need to recognize that in order to do that, we can't be working simply towards reforms. Although, you know, in certain instances, reforms are revolutionary. We cannot make reforms our end goal. They have to be a means to an end. They are a part of the puzzle, but they are not the whole. Our goal is not to keep the ruling class capitalism or anything that exists today as it is but to wholeheartedly change it and make it proletarian so if you're still listening to this i appreciate you um i hope you would be willing to go check out my blog that was also about this topic called uh revolution or reform that can be found at for liberation that's uh without any caps or spaces dot w-i-x-s-i-t-e dot com forward slash website uh, you can also find me on my social media that's at twitter tiktok instagram and facebook all uh, in defense of liberation you can reach out to me there for any questions any comments any concerns any reason uh, that you feel i'm wrong any reason why you feel i'm a jackass an arrogant asshole a fucking tanky, a statist, a Stalinist, whatever you want to call me, you can reach out to me on those social medias or you can email me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. Again, no caps, no spaces in that. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, folks. I hope everyone is well, staying safe, uh, staying healthy, and staying indoors as much as we can. Uh, Please, please, please go out and get vaccinated if you can if you need resources to be able to do so please reach out to me um the vaccine is so incredibly necessary the delta variant and the gamma variant are very very dangerous and even those of us with the vaccine can get incredibly ill um we can especially pass that on to other people who can die um so we need to be as careful as possible our ruling class of course has no interest in the working class surviving this because there is across the world billions of people who will replace them um but as it stands right now we the working class the proletariat the oppressed people ourselves are the only ones who are going to pull ourselves out of this pandemic so we need to work together we need to be internationalist and we need to be working towards the eradication of not only the the pandemic and what it is doing to the people but the ruling class which has allowed it to do this um Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Uh, Stay safe, folks, and stay revolutionary.